Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. We're starting a new sermon series that we're calling Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. I think for the most part, most of us want to be comfortable. We like our comfort. We like 72 degree weather. We, we like AC in the car to be working. We like our seats to be soft. We like that, uh, that when we go somewhere, we're treated the way we want to be treated because we want to be comfortable. Amen? And I think that one of the things that we always try to shy away from is awkwardness in life. And we, we, we try to, to shy away from these things for the sake of comfort because we live in a culture of comfort. We live in a culture that we are encouraged to do what we want. We are encouraged to do do it when we want to and to do it with whomever we want to. And I learned the new acronym over this past week. And as I'm studying that, I had never heard. I heard a YOLO, but I heard a FOMO this week. The fear of missing out. And this culture tells us that, you know, you need to gravitate towards things that make you comfortable because you don't want to miss out on life. You don't want to miss out on things that are going on around you, the fun things, the good things, the things that that make you and make me feel good. Because after all, isn't life about us? At least that's what society would tell us. But see, the Christian faith. When we sit in these chairs and when we preach from this book and when we study this book, we begin to realize that the Christian faith is completely the opposite of comfortable. The Christian faith is uncomfortable. Now, me, I don't know, maybe you know this. If you've interacted with me at some time or another, you probably can see some of my character traits. I am an introvert by nature. I am not the life of the party, okay? So if you want to liven up the party, don't invite me, okay? I, I'm not the life of the party. I'm not the person that comes in all bouncy and, uh, you know, I, it's just not my nature. It's not my character. But as an introvert, there are certain things that as I was growing up, I would fear. And one of the very basic things I would fear is, have you ever gone to, a, to get a haircut and the barber or the stylist just won't quit talking. I'm just trying to get a haircut. I'm not trying to get to know you. I don't, I don't have anything to say to you. Just cut my hair and let me go. See, that was one of my fears as an introvert. When I went, I was like, oh, oh she cut my hair last time. And oh, my goodness, she just kept talking and talking and talking. I don't even know what to I already told her everything I know. You know, and as an introvert, that would make me feel very, very 
uncomfortable or have you ever been uh, remember school or if you went to university at least the the classes I would take at university what would happen is at the beginning of each class cycle or every semester what would the the teacher's grand idea would be to 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 introduce everybody why don't we all take turns and stand up Tell us your name, where you're from, what you're studying, what are your hobbies, what do you believe in, whatever, right? And they're in a very uncomfortable moment, at least for myself, because I was introverted. Now, if you ask my wife to do it, I mean, she can go on and on and on about herself because she's great. She's got amazing stuff to tell you. But for me, not so much. I'm Daniel, studying for this, and that's it. And that was it. It's kind of shocking since I'm standing up here, huh? <laughs> but that is my nature. I'm introverted by nature. But when life puts us in a position where it makes us feel uncomfortable or it makes us feel awkward in whatever it is, we do not like it. We do not like feeling uncomfortable. We don't like uh, feeling where our bodies are not adjusted to the temperature. We don't like it when, when we're hurting, when we have pain. We don't like it that when we wake up in the mornings and our joints are hurting, there's a discomfort in our body or there's a discomfort around us. And we want to live a life that is comfortable. And when we come to church, we, we bring that, that, that sense or that, uh, that desire for comfort and we bring it into the church. And we want to come to church and we want to come to a place that is perfect. We want to come to a place where, where there's comfortable chairs. We want to come to a place that serves us refreshments, uh, coffee. I mean, that kind of sounds like city church, right? And, and, and they serve us something. But more importantly, when we're sitting in the chairs, when we're sitting in the pews, when we're receiving the message, we don't want to be challenged. Because we want to be comfortable. Preacher, don't make me uncomfortable. Oh, why are you talking about the blood? My friend came and he's going to get freaked out by the blood. Why are you talking about hell? We don't speak about hell too much anymore. Because we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Pastor, just preach a message that will make me feel good and that will make me feel inspired because I've been going through some stuff this past week and I need a little motivational speech this week so that I can take another step and that I can take another, another move forward because I don't know if I'm going to make it, but please don't make it uncomfortable. Don't challenge me that Jesus is asking me to serve. Don't challenge me that God is asking me to invite my neighbor to come sit, sit with me at church what is that and we get uncomfortable we don't like feeling uncomfortable and it's like whatever you do please please pastor please leadership at the church please don't challenge the status quo See, and what we think we want from church is almost never what we need. 
Because when we're preaching or when we're teaching or when we're uh, revealing something from the word of God that God has inspired the pastor or the minister or whoever's bringing a word and it's starting to, to kind of bother you. It's not kind of, it's not sitting well within you. Most often when that is not what making you feel too good, that is what you need the most in your life in that moment because God is working conviction. God is telling you, hey, there's something wrong within your heart. There is something that you need to address and you need to look within yourself and we're like oh gosh I knew I should have stayed home and watched the Cowboys game today and we feel this discomfort we feel that here we go again see God has a plan for his church God has a plan for his church. When I say that God has a plan for his church, I'm saying God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. And, and his plan, listen, listen, his plan is not to make the church accommodate your preferences. That's not what it's about. His plan for the church is to have people who are living stones, and we're going to talk about that right now, that are being built up into a spiritual house that is solely focused on Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to there. You can tap to there on your, uh, on your Bible app, or we're going to have it up on the screen, okay? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and verse 5, the word of God says, As you come to him, now the him is Jesus. As you come to Jesus, as you come to our Savior, as you come to our Redeemer, as you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. That the stone which is Jesus, the living stone was Jesus. He was rejected by us. But he was chosen by God and God loved his son. You also, verse 5, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we're going to kind of work through this passage, okay? And, and I'll, I'll try to move uh, as quickly as I can, okay? So first of all, the first thing we need to look at is that Jesus is the living stone. Now there are many references in the Bible that when they're speaking of Jesus, they're referring to a stone. The, the first one, Jesus himself, he says that he is a stumbling stone, Okay, that when people hear his message, when people start to, to, to study his message, it's going to be a stumbling stone where they're walking along the path and they think that they're going the right way. And then, boom, all of a sudden there's some discomfort in their life. Because he is the stumbling stone. Because when we start to think that all, all our religious, all our religious, our religious actions or our religious works or the things that we are doing that are making God love us more. When we begin to read that, that, that God doesn't really care about what you and I do and all the good things that we may do. And that he looks at them and they're like filthy rags before him. It's like, whoa, what was that? 
What do you mean, pastor? What do you mean that, that Jesus is telling me that what I'm doing is not good? And it's not that, that good works aren't good. If we have faith, faith without works is dead. That's what the Bible says. But when we turn our works as the means for our salvation, man, if I can do enough and if I can perform well enough, I can get saved. No, it's about putting your faith in Jesus first of all. And as your faith becomes active, then as your faith becomes real then you begin to understand there are things in your life that you need to change just as when you got married those of you that are that are married when you got married there were certain things you couldn't do anymore it wasn't as easy to go hang out with the buddies it wasn't as easy to go hang out with your girlfriends it wasn't as easy as to not, you had to let somebody know now you have to give an account of where you were, what you're doing. And I'm going to say, yeah, you know, sometimes we're like, I don't need to tell anybody. But, but if you got married, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves on the one event. And as you're dating, you got to understand that you're committing and you're entering into a covenant relationship that is not just about you anymore. It's not. Now, two become one, and they live life together. They make decisions together. They help one another. They, they lift each other up when one falls, and they encourage one another. I'll keep talking about that next week, so come next week, all right, to, to the one conference. Jesus says he was... I. It, I, am a, I came to be a stumbling stone. Another reference to Jesus as far as the stone goes is that he is the cornerstone of the building. The chief cornerstone of the building. So when the Bible says, when Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone, he's referring to Jesus in several different ways in that Jesus is going to make us uncomfortable and he's going to challenge us. But as we live our lives and as Jesus turns from being a stumbling stone and starts becoming a cornerstone in our lives, that's when we begin to build our lives. That's when we begin to make progress. And, he's, and, the, and Peter says is that he is a living. Jesus is not dead church. Jesus is very much alive and well. I spoke to him yesterday. I spoke to him this morning. And I could feel his presence in my life. Jesus is doing well and he's trying to reach out to you. And he's calling you. He was crucified. He was planted in the ground. And he rose again on the third day. And there he is a solid foundation for our lives. And we too, Peter says, we should be like Jesus. Just as Jesus is the living stone, we too, you also like living stones. We should be living stones as well. Because what happens now, when we come to Jesus in our lives, we, the Bible says, John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus himself says, Very truly I tell you, whomever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. 
Once we were dead, but now we are alive by the mercy of Jesus Christ. And now we too have the opportunity of being living stones. We are brought from death to life. And Peter goes on to say that you're being built up into spiritual, into a spiritual house. So the spiritual house. When the Bible refers to this, when Peter is referring to this, he is speaking about the church. The people gathered here. Those that are way in the body, those that are in the, on the fringe of the body, those that haven't quite made the decision. This is what Peter is speaking. That when we become living stones and we become, uh, in, uh, we become a part of Jesus and we give our lives to Jesus, we're being built up into a church, a spiritual house. We're being built up into a community. Why do we want community? Why, for the most part, most people don't want to live out? Some people do. Some people, they're, they're, they're special, and they like it. They like their land. They're like, but for the most part, most people gather in what? In towns, in cities, in metroplexes, areas where you're together with other people. Because for the most part, we don't want to be by ourselves. Community is important, but what's even more important is having the correct community around you. Having the correct people in your life that are going to encourage you. The correct people that are going to help you move forward in your life. And when you're struggling, there's someone to give you those words that you need to move and to go forward. This spiritual house is the church. This spiritual house is the community of the church. And our duty as a church, Peter says, is to be a holy priesthood. In fact, a few verses down in chapter 2, uh, verse 2, he goes on in verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare. And this is our job, church. This is what we've been called to do, that we may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light when we invite people hey come sit with me at church this week we're telling them there is a hope in your life that you can have there is a light that you need to come to you can get out of that darkness i too once was in the darkness i too once was lost i too once didn't have hope i too was sick i didn't know what i was gonna do in life but now there is a light within me and God has done this for me God has done this for me and I will not be quiet I will shout his praises I will sing glorious I will sing with the band and I will sing without a band I will raise my hands whether or not others are raising their hands because I know what God has done for me I don't know what God's done for you. Maybe God hasn't done anything for you. Maybe that's why it's hard for you to raise your hands. But I believe that if you're alive today and you have the opportunity to be in this place, I know and I can tell you with certainty, God has blessed you today because today we can come together and worship his name, feel his presence in our lives, and receive a word from Jesus. So 
Our sole purpose of existing, our sole purpose of being a community, of being a church, Peter says, is that we can declare the praises of him. That we, in verse 5, he says that we're a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus. So we got to understand, first of all, that church, this is going to hurt. You ready? You're going to take it? You're not going to throw a rock? You're not going to get mad? All right. Church is not about you. It's about knowing God. Church is not about you. Church is not, oh, they didn't sing my favorite song today. Church, oh, they're asking me to serve. They want me to hold the door open. I just want to go, show up, and leave. Church is not about you. Peter is presenting an image of a community that is focused entirely on Jesus. It's a community that puts aside all preferences. Praise the Lord. It's a community that puts aside all comfort level. And we will come here realizing that the very thing we don't want to hear is the very thing that we need to hear because we want to be edified. We want to know God. We want to get close to God. And out of that knowing of God and out of that filling of his Holy Spirit in our lives, we're going to be overflowing in joy, overflowing in peace, overflowing with the Spirit of God that people are going to say, hey, what is wrong with you? Why are you always so happy? Didn't you just lose your job and you're like nothing? Didn't you say that you're having these issues but you're singing? What in the world is going on? Why can you be so happy? Because we have Jesus in our lives. And we're, Jesus is always at work in our lives making us feel uncomfortable. Wow. And sometimes we get it wrong. I like saying this, right, that we want to come to church and we want to feel the goosies and we want to feel fuzzy and, oh, that was so nice. And there are moments that we, yeah, if the presence of God is so strong and tangible in this place, we're going to cry and it's going to feel good. But there are moments when the real, when the presence of God comes into our lives that we can't leave the same way. So whatever sin was in my heart, I can't leave with that sin because I was just with Jesus and Jesus has cleansed me from all the wrong, the iniquity, the, the things that are in my life because Jesus, when you have a face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus, Jesus, you don't stay the same. It hurts. It doesn't feel good at times when we're challenged. And as a church, we're a community that we put aside our ideas of comfort zones and, our, and we, we, we put that all aside for the sake of becoming living stones. And it becomes all about knowing God. Worshiping him and following his commandments, which ultimately was, go tell other people about me. We're on a mission. I'm giving you a mission. 
Just as you once were lost, there are still people drowning in the ocean of their sins. And someone needs to tell them about me. Someone needs to go and tell them about Jesus. Just like someone one day came up to you and told, them, told you, brother, sister, my friend, my brother, my whoever it was, you need Jesus in your life. And they were persistent. Whether it was your parents dragging you to church every Sunday. Or whether later on in life you came to church because a friend or, or again, your parents just kind of insisting. Like, oh, I'm just going to go so she won't call me this week. The reality is, church, that the, the dream church, because I think that we could all sit down and write down what exactly we, what we would like to see in a dream church. Believe me, I can tell you. I think about this. I, I, I ask God for this church. I ask God for, for not necessarily that we need perfect people because we're not ever going to get perfect people. But the idea of what we do, that it all runs smoothly and there's things that happen on time and nothing. The video always works. The singers are always on key. Not that we have that problem here, okay? We have great singers. And that everything is working in order. But the dream church, the perfect church, does not exist. Charles Spurgeon, an old English Baptist preacher from the 1800s, he was called the prince of preachers. He said this, if I had ever joined the church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would have not been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible give themselves to the Lord's people. As I have already said, the church is faulty. Tell your neighbor you're faulty. The church is faulty. But that's no excuse for you not joining it. If you are the Lord's. See, that when we say that we go to church and I don't like going to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Or there's a bunch of people that are double uh, two-faced or whatever. Or whatever it is that you don't like about some people at churches. And believe me, not everyone's like that at church. It's like you saying... That I don't like going to hospitals because there's sick people there. This is what this place is for. For us to come with our problems. For us to come with our jacked up lives and come before God and say, God, I need you today. I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I'm tired of the addictions. I'm tired of the fighting. I'm tired of the, of the, of the, uh, the things that are continuing to throw me off balance. I'm tired of the lack of consistency in my life. And I need you, Jesus. I need you. See, it's easy to come to church and have a consumer approach to church. Right? Most of us, have, we have favorite stores that we go to. Some of you guys like going to Target instead of Walmart, right? 
about that. Some of us prefer Costco over Sam's Club. And some of us, uh, we have our preferences in that, that approach, that mentality can sometimes come into the church also. And we come to lo- church, we're, we're looking for a certain worship style. Uh, we're, we're seeing if the preaching is entertaining enough. You want me to dance and you want me to spin around. And No, I know you guys don't want me to do that because I don't have any beat, all right? Or is the church down the street a better fit for me? And we begin to look around and we approach it as if we're shopping for a church. If this is our approach, then what happens is that our faith becomes less about knowing and serving God and more about finding a community that serves us and our desires. Let me say this really clearly. Church is not a club. This is not like the golf club where everyone gathers to play golf. This is not the basket knitting club where we knit baskets and we gossip around. No, the church is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ has a mission. And that mission is for us to go into the dark places of this world. And to reach those that are lost, those that are hurting, and bring them into the light. Our hearts should break when we hear of things like what happened in Parkland, Florida. There is so much hurt in these young people. There is so much hurt in this world. And yet we can sit on our, on our hands and we just go about our lives blindly and thinking that if I ignored it, it may go away. But God did not call us to ignore this. God called us to do something. Are you uncomfortable? Church, it's not about our comfort. Second thing you got to understand is that the Christian life is supposed to be uncomfortable. So you might as well embrace it. Embrace it. Hold on to it. Hug it. This is what makes you and I different from the world. See, while predicting his own death, Jesus tells that crowd that that following him requires dying to ourselves. John chapter 12 verse 25. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is a challenging statement by Jesus. Wait, Jesus, I don't understand what you're saying. You're saying that in order for me to live, that in order for me to have life, I need to lose my life? See, this is the uncomfortable message of the gospel. This is the uncomfortable message of the church, that in order to live, we have to die. And we have to understand, and I told you guys in day two of our forward event, that it is not in our comfort where we grow. It is in the discomfort of life 
when we're challenged, when we're stretched, and we find out what we're really made of. God, growth happens when we push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I went to go get a haircut. I sat down and I started asking the lady about the lunch. Hey, how's your, where do you go to lunch? How do you, what are you eating? And I just wouldn't shut up. My son was like, why are you talking to her about lunch, Dad? You got to figure out, you're making me uncomfortable. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's a, within me, that's a big deal because I am introverted and I don't like those kind of conversations at times. But I figure, well, if, we're gonna be, if I'm going to be uncomfortable, let's both be uncomfortable, all right? Let's just do this thing. Those who are unwilling to stay in an uncomfortable course simply quit. Who run from discomfort. The people who avoid, listen church, the people who avoid discomfort in their lives are not the people that win gold medals. They're not the ones that impact the world. Those that impact the world and those that build the church are those that are willing to move out of their comfort zone. Lord, make me uncomfortable because I want to grow. Lord, help me understand your will for my life. You want me to lose my life so I can live with you? I will do it by your strength and by your power. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may do it. The builders and the changers of this world are the ones who put their comfort aside for the sake of something greater. Because when you live for yourself, that's, that, I'm sorry, but that's a small thing to live for. But when you live for Jesus and you live for others just the way Jesus said I didn't come to be served I came to serve and to give my give my life as a ransom for many when we learn to live our life and emulate Jesus life in our lives that's when you and I become begin to impact our family we begin to impact our co-workers we begin to impact our world around us So what Jesus is saying is that if you love the comforts of this life above all else, you're going to miss out on some things. That's when you should have FOMO, fear of missing out. When you live for yourself, you're going to miss out on the great promises that God has for you. See, ultimately, the grand prize or what we're all shooting for is that if we don't wake up tomorrow, when we open our eyes, we're going to see Jesus face to face. That's the ultimate reward. That is the ultimate goal that we all have as believers, right? And that's, that's awesome. That is a noble thing to chase after. That is something that God wants in our lives. He's trying to save us from eternal condemnation. But God also wants us to live for something other than ourselves. He wants us to live to save this world. He wants us to impact our church. He wants us to impact our community. He wants us to impact our schools. And those people that are hurting around you, there is a great light that is next to them. And it's time for you to let that light shine. But Jesus says that there is a cost. And this cost is your life. We grow 
by leaving our comfort zones and entering into the challenges and discomforts of our faith. Don't, don't be scared to pe tell people. I put it away. Don't be, hey, I'm going to invite you to church. To church? I didn't even know you went to church. Well, that's, you should be convicted if they didn't even know you go to church. Well, I do. God has done some amazing things. Ah, oh, come on, man. I don't wait. Well, it's here. Whenever you want to talk, I'm available. I don't know a lot, but I know what Jesus has done for me. And if you are struggling, your marriage is in trouble, I've been there. And I know someone that can help. All you have to do is introduce them to Jesus. And instead of avoiding the truth that church will be uncomfortable, that church is uncomfortable, we should embrace this truth and press into the joy of dying to ourselves and living for our God and living for our neighbor. Living for our neighbor. Being the church is difficult. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not easy. But there's such an amazing trade-off. When you and I cross from death to life, the promises that you read in the Bible. Come on, if you haven't read your Bible in a while, it's time for you to open it because this will give you life. The Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. The Bible says that nothing can separate me from the love of God. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says that God knows the plans that he has for my life and their plans to prosper me, not to destroy me. You get to, you begin to read his word. You start getting full of, of what God says is true about you, what is true about me, what's true about the church. And you begin to understand, although yes, I'm, lo I'm losing my life, I'm losing, I'm dying to my own selfish desires. There is such a great trade-off that it's worth it. Every day I wake up, it's worth for me to die to myself and to live for Jesus. Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse 10, he came to give us life and to have it in the full, an abundant life. He's not saying that he's going to make you rich. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that when you give your life to Jesus, the next time you go log into your online banking and you're going to, oh, $10 million, woo, praise Jesus. No, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, be nice, Do you please, maybe, I don't know. But what I'm saying is that the abundant life that you can live is that even in the scarcity of life, when you're having a hard time making ends meet, when you're having a hard time in your life, that there can still be a peace within you. Because you know that your provider is real. Because you know that your provider has never let you down and he's not going to start letting you down today. He wants to give you an abundant life. I'm going to ask you to stand. So I think that as we, as we close and as we come to, to an end of our time today, I need to say this. There may be some people here today that have never asked Jesus into their heart. I mean, I just preached about how difficult church is. I just preached about how uncomfortable it is at the church. 
But I'm also telling you that when you give your life to God, all you need to be sure of is that God's got you in his hands. In the sickness, in poverty, in the riches, in the good, in the bad, in the ugly, God's got you. And if you've never prayed and you've never asked Jesus, Jesus, be the Savior of my life, today you can make that prayer and today you can make that decision. That's the first step. Acts chapter 2, Peter preached this amazing sermon. People were convicted to the, the Bible says they were cut to the heart and they asked Peter, Peter, what should we do? The first thing Peter said is you need to repent. That there's got to be a changing of the heart. There's got to be a faith that begins to stir. There's got to be a belief. And it comes with you asking Jesus, Lord, I repent from everything I've done. And I need you to be my Savior today. I need you to be my Savior this moment, this second. And if that's you, it's time for you to raise your hands. And it's time for you to cry out to him in the name of Jesus. God is for you and God is with you. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is cry out because he is a good father. He is a loving father.